All right, welcome. This is Orion Rising. I am your host, Leonard O'Neill. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, or good morrow, depending on where in the world you are tuning into this show. It's Friday night. I went live a little bit early, right? Just a tad, about a half hour. Did that on purpose because I always run long. I didn't want to uh, end up running long today. And now I'm messing up, I'm checking the audio here to make sure we're live. Share this out, share this out, share this out. It's Friday night. We're going to do the Love One, right? So welcome aboard, Love One fans. No politics today, even though there's a lot of politics we could talk about. None of that happening today, right? All right, there I am. I'm going to stay. Welcome. It's Friday night. Finally got my microphone kind of where I want it. It'll probably move around as I talk and mess it up. Those of you who are on the MP3 broadcast, you don't see that anyways. You don't see my ugly mug. Okay, so share this out to everybody. I'll be doing the same thing. Uh, we finished up. Uh, last week with session um, 88, and we're now into session 89. Believe that, 89 out of 106. <clears throat> so we're um, we're getting into the tarot cards, which is actually um, really cool. And, you know, originally I thought, wow, you know, this is kind of tedious, and, you know, I don't know about this. But the more I look into it, the more really there is there to discuss sorry i'm trying to share this out at the same time but for some reason my phone is now uh freezing on me so i'm trying to get it out to a couple different groups uh so it's really uh, bizarre right and then i had a few things to do i logged on and found out there was people fighting and cussing on my um (laughs) cussing in in my uh, psychic group some troll came in and was trolling the place and i hadn't i hadn't checked it today at all, I hadn't got onto Facebook at all, or checked my messages, and Facebook had sent me a thing that they deleted one of his things that he had said, so I had to block him, and then apologize to everybody, because I was unaware that this troll was in there trolling that, and all ever, all of us readers and uh, staff were all MIA at that particular moment, that does happen, you know, we're, we all have lives, and we're all around the world, so we don't, that group doesn't, isn't like my ancient aliens uh, worldwide group, where I have a, a you know, a big staff, that one is only a few of us, five or six that are on there. So we missed it and uh, didn't <laughs> and, and didn't catch it. He was he was being just a, a turd, cussing and everything. So he's blocked. So Maria, welcome. Share this out. Hi. Share this out. Share this out. Uh, I came on early, so no one's expecting me until four. Some people are still thinking it's the old timeline. It's five p.m. U.S. time. Uh, the West Coast uh, of America, but uh, I came early, like I said, just because I wanted to make sure, because I always run long, and the other night I came on, and I only was going to be on to do Orion Rising News for about an hour. I ended up doing three hours and 20 minutes. My mom didn't get dinner until after that, so she didn't eat until somewhere around 8.30, quarter to 9 um, at night that night. So I'm, I came on a little bit early, about half an hour. So if I go over a half an hour like I normally do, or an hour like I normally do, it still won't be that late. I can still get dinner to her before 7 o'clock, do you see? Okay, so because I am my mother's caregiver, right? Angie, hi, welcome. I just happened to look over in the chat over here. I have the studio open. You guys can't see it. The monitor is right here. The camera's right there. The monitor is here, the big one. And I have two windows open so I can actually see the chat there, but I'm also monitoring the chat on my phone. My other computers I've moved out of here because when I put them here on the desk, I used my, my um, radar detector, and uh, it showed that that's why I'm sitting back as far as I am, and I'm stretching this microphone away from the computer because when I had two laptops, my phone and the computer here, 
going, the, the radiation within a three-foot radius was harmful to humans. So <laughs> I, I removed two of the laptops and put them out in another room. So I don't use those as, unless I'm doing a webinar, I don't use any of them as a monitor anymore because the radiation gets up a little bit when I do that. So this keeps the radiation level at a, at a even keel that's not so bad uh, for, for, for me, right? So that's kind of scary when you have to think about those things these days, right? Isn't that insane that you have to actually think about what's the radiation level? I got that because I live uh, in the uh, um, Northern California at the time I was living in the San Francisco Bay Area. And we get fish all the time from out in the Pacific. And there was people talking about how some of it might be radioactive uh, because of everything that was going on, especially tuna and stuff like that. So I actually got it to check uh, on all my food to see if it's radioactive because there were there was contaminated food that people were getting around the world and not knowing it and consuming it and it's radioactive. So I actually have a, a, a thing here that I can actually check and you would be uh, surprised with a cell phone. I set it on top of the cell phone and it pegs out at um, at Radkins that are higher than we're supposed to take. So if you take your cell phone, you put it up to your ear, you're literally getting like 100 uh, x-rays on the side of your head and your brain while you hold that up to your head. The, the equivalent of like 100 x-rays. So it's bad, bad, bad. Don't do it. So I always put my cell phone on speaker. My hands are going to get it, but, you know, I mean, I have arthritis in my hands. Is that because of using cell phones or just because I have arthritis, which I have arthritis everywhere? Horrible, horrible arthritis. Um, so where is it that you're from? Let me look. I didn't see that. You said, hi, Rob, welcome, my brother. We're doing the law of one again tonight, right? So you're, you're in Indiana, right? In Indianapolis. Welcome, Angie. Wow. Nice. You guys, I, I actually got a following out there, which I didn't realize I had. There was a lot of places out there in the Midwest and, and back East that I didn't think would, would be listening to my podcast or even watching me live on Facebook, but uh, I seem to be getting a pretty big group of people back there, especially the battleground states where the, all the shenanigans were going on and, you know, in we, you know, what happened back in last year with the vote. I can't say too much because the algorithm will kick me off the air and I didn't want to talk about politics. But I got a big following from the people there when I started talking about that. I was like, wow, I, I didn't expect that. I thought hate speech was going to come out of there. You know what I mean? But no, you did a lot of following back there. So welcome. I don't know if you've been here before. Rob uh, there. Welcome, Rob. I, I'm surprised. I thought you'd be doing something, too. I'm early. But probably that's why, because I think you go I think you go live right after I do, right? So you'll probably be on the air. They'll have to come over and play on your show. Okay, so we got through uh, session 88, and we're on 89, and they are starting on the Tarot, and they're talking about the 22 archetypes that make up our persona. And um, that Raw claims that, if you missed last week's episode, I'm catching you up, Raw claims that they created the first tarot deck. And now uh, Dawn, the questioner, is asking Raw about, and they get into details of every single card, okay, and what th those things mean. So if you don't, don't have any idea of what the tarot means or the tarot cards in any way, this is a really good insight, but it's even more so... I know many, many people, and I've, I've had many different decks, six or seven different decks over my lifetime, and I know people who collect them, many people, because I grew up with, even though I have the Christian background, I'm also underscoring that with a very pagan uh, background, very druidic pagan background uh, in my religious uh, or philosophical, you know, uh, theological learnings. 
In fact, I have, I would be a Merlin right now, I would have that title if I were to go and, and just want to be a clergy in any one of those. I would be a, a Merlin, I have that title. Um, I don't, that's just like I have a, you know, a minister title as well, right? I could be a pastor or a reverend or, or any of those, for any one of those Christian religions. But I can't call myself father because I could be a padre. But the only way you can become a father is you have to go to the Catholic seminary. So they keep that. Right. Although I have been knighted by the Holy Roman Catholic Church, so that makes me a minister, but not a father. Makes me like a vicar. That's what they would call it. That's a priest who's not the top priest. Okay, Lisa. Well, welcome. So everybody share this out. Like I said, share this out. Um, I shared it to a couple of places. Uh, and, you know, I can't do that while I'm, try- I'm trying to do that. You see me looking down and playing with my phone. That's why I'm killing time because I'm trying to share it out as well. So if you guys share it out, that'll be really cool. So, guys. Okay, so the law of one, I got it primed, and we should probably just go ahead and start because, like I said, it is uh, almost um, it is almost tedious, but it, it is a, it, there's a lot there. In fact, I almost started with question 24 of uh, 88 and played 24 and 25 again because 24's answer that Raw gave was like a four-and-a-half-minute uh, paragraph, Okay. And then I thought, well, if I do that for every single time, then I'm going to have to all be backtracking a lot because that's the way it is from here on out, right? So <laughs> let's just go ahead. Let me go over here and grab that window. That's the studio. But we'll go over here. And we're going to, uh, until the, if you guys don't know what this is and you're here for the very first time, I'll give you the quick synopsis. Well, I'm going to start talking a lot faster now because I'm trying to get this out of the way. This video that I'm going to be playing is brought to you by, by Maffy Moose. They're a group of people on a channel on Facebook. This is LL Research approved material. LL Research is the group that channeled Raw back between 1981 and 1984. Okay, and they have their own website. You can go to lawofone.info, L-A-W-O-F-O-N-E dot I-N, F as in Frank, O. If you go there, it brings up the transcript of the actual recordings that, that they recorded, and it, and it actually has the, the words there, and you can also press play and hear the actual audio tape of Carla and Don asking the questions and Carla answering, uh, but it takes a long time. It literally takes... 30 to 45 minutes to get through one session because she speaks very slowly in one word every five or six seconds, sometimes longer, sometimes a pause of two minutes, okay? So you can do that if you want. I used to put that up on another screen and then point out the differences between that and what was published. This uh, material that you're going to hear the computer reading to you, and you'll also be able to see it if you have the benefit of being on the MP4 file podcast. If you're on the MP3, you can only hear the audio. Um, but if you're on the MP4, you can see it, and if you want to clear your screen and not read the chat, you can just swipe and you can pull it up on your full screen. I will be putting it on the full screen so that it becomes full screen on any device that you want. You can see visually and read along with what you hear. That sometimes helps because the accent is an English male accent, and it is a computer, so the so every word is an individual word strung together, so it sounds kind of weird. That's just the way it is, right? Okay, so this is uh, session 89. This was June 9th, 1982, the law of one. And here we go. Let's go full screen and just bowl into it, yeah? Let me make sure. Hold on. Let me make sure you guys are on the right screen so that I'm not li- you're not looking at me while I'm doing this, right? <laughs> All right, coming up on the full screen. Here we go. I am Ra. I greet you in the love and in the light of the one infinite creator. Reese, welcome. I didn't see you pop in until I looked down at the monitor. Welcome, welcome, brother. 
Glad you're still with us down there. Uh, Reese, I want to talk to you more about, uh, I found out more about what's going on with and why the news is the way it is. For those of you guys, I know I'm cutting real quick. Yesterday I talked to, to Reese and he showed me, and I put it on the air the other day, two days ago actually, uh, that the that there was a feud going on and that uh, the Australian government is uh, not allowing news on Facebook. And I found out why. They're at war with Facebook over everything that's going on. And they're censoring Facebook because Facebook is doing the crap they're doing to people. In fact, I'm finding that more and more countries are starting to do the same thing, Reese. So it's not your government cracking down on you politically or trying to separate you like in a communist way. They're, they're punishing Facebook. And other countries are looking at doing the same. Even this country is looking at doing that. And I hope they do because you have to hit Facebook and those guys in their pocketbook or they won't listen. They're going to do whatever it is that they're going to do. So what your government's doing is not actually a bad thing from what I can see on the surface. They did some research on it. It's actually a good thing. They're not trying to harm you guys. They're trying to harm Facebook and trying to keep Facebook uh, away from doing the, all the censoring that they're doing to people and, and, and skewing the news one way. All right, so I, I'm sorry for those of you who, uh, you know, I, I, I posted this and you don't like politics on there. I just want to clarify that because there was a thought that it was done, uh, you know, aggressively towards the people of Australia, and it's actually the other way around. All right, guys, so I apologize for those of you who are about to delete my show because I put politics on there. They wanna, you know, I put you guys let me put the law of one up, and I just spoke politics, but I wanted to tell Reese what was going on, what I found out about what's going on over there in Australia. You guys should look into that. Okay, here we go. We communicate now. Question 89.1. Questioner, could you first please give me the condition of the instrument? Answer, I am Ra. It is as previously stated. Question 89.2. Questioner. Now at the end of the last session, they, they, uh, Ra had said that Carla was still being attacked by the assassin that was in the fifth, I think they said dimension, but it could be fourth. I, I think it's fourth, but don't quote me. And that she's having problems with her hands. And this was literally uh, the question 25, one of the answers to question 25, that she was having problems with her hands and pain and that they needed to change something slightly uh, because if not, she was going to have to have surgery on her hands. And I don't remember if Carla ever ended up having surgery on her hands. She went through a lot of surgery for a lot of stuff because of this and the damage done to her as the assassins were trying to kill her to keep her from communicating with Ra. They eventually went after Don, the questioner, and gave, and he ended up, of course, dying the best way that the American government likes to assassinate people, with cancer. He had colon cancer and he was dying, so he committed suicide. And that's why everything stopped, at least with Ra. They, Carla continued going on for years, channeling other people and other places around the universe. I have two questions, the first of which is, during the last intensive meditation here the instrument experienced very strong conditioning from an entity which did not identify itself and which did not leave when she asked it the, would you tell us what was occurring then? Answer, I am Ra. We find the instrument to have been given the opportunity to become a channel for a previously known friend. This entity was not able to answer the questioning of spirits in the name of Christ as is this instrument's distortion of the means of differentiating betwixt those of positive and those of negative orientation. Therefore, after some resistance, the entity found the need to take its leave. Question 89.3 Questioner, was the... Really quickly, I wanted to stop there because that's a perfect example. Now, a lot of naysayers when it comes to 
channeling. They, you know, people always go, be careful. You don't know what you're channeling. It might be the devil or the CIA, people lying to you. And I have a lot of people that just do just claim that about everybody. They just say fooey on it. The same thing, like if you talk about aliens, people say it's demons, and you need to stop doing that. If you talk about ESP or channeling, they say it's the devil, uh, and you need to stop doing that, and they won't hear anything. That's it. That's it. They clear shut down, right? But people who do this stuff take precautions, and if they don't, then then they are just asking for trouble. And I did a couple of videos on that, uh, Defense Against the Dark Arts 1 and 2. When you do anything and start raising your vibration in a positive way, you become a target from all sides, not just negative entities, because there are some people who like status quo, and you would think that they are good people, and they kind of are, but they like things the way they are because they're getting paid fat to do it that way, like most of your churches. They like things the way they are because there's people's seat, their butts are in the seats, paying a tithing. Now, I'm not saying that you shouldn't go to church. I am a minister. Remember that, okay? I've been knighted by the Holy Roman Catholic Church, and I am, you know, clergy throughout the world. I am also a Jedi Knight. I am, I am, I just told you earlier, I would have the Merlin title if I were to go to that uh, and want to have a, a, you know, a congregation there. I could, just like I could a Christian church because I'm a minister. Okay, so I'm not saying the church is bad. I'm saying that some people, when you look inward for to yourself and take care of yourself, you realize you don't have to have that box, and you don't have to be led by a person, okay? That you can do that on your own, and those of you who can, I would encourage that. I'm not trying to discourage people from going to church because you can still go there and, and still ascend, Without ever uh, running into the the darkness, or or you know you um, as long as you don't you know agree with some of the things that they do that you know are morally wrong. Okay, so that's that's my my uh, opinion with that. Okay, if you agree with those things, you know agreeing with a sin is is the same thing. We call that in, you know if you if you help somebody uh, plan a murder or don't turn them in for murdering when you know they did it or try to stop them, that's accessory before or after or both of the murder, okay? So it's the same thing. You're, it, just by going to the church doesn't make you a sinner because there's sins that go on within the church. But if you go there and you see those things happen and you don't do anything about it, then you are just as guilty as those people doing those things because you're allowing them to do that. That's called an enabler, and that's, that, is, it, it, that is accessory. Because you saw the crime was about to happen, didn't do anything about it, or you witnessed the crime and did not turn them in. Okay, that's why I choose not to go to these places because of the hypocrisy of these different churches. So I preach individual inner strength, individual spiritualism. And anybody who doesn't want to do that don't have to. I'm not trying to sell you a religion. That's just like with Ra. I'm not trying to create a religion here. I'm trying to pass on knowledge so that you have a better understanding of how the universe works so therefore you can make your decision from a standpoint of education and knowledge, not from a uh, being led blindly. Do you understand? That's my purpose. That's what I'm here for. All right, let's continue. This particular entity, the fifth density visitor that we have heard quite often previously. Answer, I am Ra. This is correct. Question 89.4. Questioner, is he back with us at this time? Answer, I am Ra. No. The attempt to speak was due to the vigilant eye of the minions of this entity which noted what one may call a surge of natural telepathic ability upon the part of the instrument. 
See, there he's talking about the their friend, the assassin, was trying to get through, it looks like. This ability is cyclical, of the 18 diurnal period cycle, as we have mentioned times. Thusly, this entity determined to attempt another means of access to the instrument by free will. Question 89.5 Questioner, was this what I would refer to as an increased ability to receive telepathically over a broader range of basic frequencies so as to include not only the Confederation but also this entity? Answer, I am Ra. This is incorrect. The high point of the cycle sharpens the ability to pick up the signal but does not change the basic nature of the carrier wave. Shall we say, there is greater power in the receiving antennae? Question 89.6 Questioner, this question may be meaningless but would a fifth density entity of the Confederation who was positively polarized transmit on the same frequency as our negatively polarized fifth density companion? Answer, I am Ra. This is correct and is the reason that the questioning of all contacts is welcomed by the Confederation of Planets in the service of the Infinite Creator. Question 89.7 See, and that is exactly why you have to take precautions. Because the truth is, the only difference is your intuition, the way you perceive the energy. So they broadcast on the same band because they're, it's, it's part of the universe. It's integral in the universe that everything is connected. And that is the same web-like structure that uh, when a nuclear explosion goes off, thermonuclear, that it actually reverberates down that spider web, which is the, the base where people use for communication throughout the universe, all of the, all of the people. And they also use that, uh, that ter to traverse from one place to another when they create a wormhole or, you know, the, the uh, uh, Einstein-Rosen bridge, for those of you that are into, uh, you know, the worldly physics that we teach here on this planet. Uh, and that that helps them because people say, well, how do they navigate from one place to another through that Internet, if you will, that web that is an energy that binds and connects everything. This harkens back to the mitochondrial or the mitochondrial uh, of the um, Jedi Knights, that there is an energy that connects all of us. And we have the theory of relativity that touched on that same ideology. And that's the place and where the energy is uh, comes through. So the only way that you can tell that there's something wrong is is whether or not, like Carla, she sets up a, a you know a you know a, a blockade. You can only pass to communicate with me if you can answer this question. Knowing that evil would not answer that question because it has to do with a holy relic, which she perceives in her mind here as Jesus as the holy relic so that's like when they say how do we stop this entity when it when we're faced with it and ross says you simply say or do the action of we i greet you with the love and the light of the infinite creator they hate it when you do that evil retracts from that as if it is evil to them because it's harmful to them because it is all love they don't like that you see questioner question two name has also felt some conditioning which was unbidden while channeling Latwei recently and in his personal meditations. And that's where they cut the name out. That's why you just heard him say name because they edited that out for the book because it was information that they didn't want out to the world. So someone that they were talking about, question two, name has also left some, right? That's where he said that. And literally it's in brackets, name. And so it's the person's name has been retracted or redacted in our English language.
Could you also tell us what occurred in these cases? Answer, I am Ra. The entity which has been companion has a vibratory frequency but a small amount lesser than that of the social memory complex known as Latwii. Also, Latwii is the primary comforter of the Confederation for entities seeking at the vibratory complex level of the one known as name. And the, the, what he was saying was, was Latwii, just like you're hearing it's L-A-T-W-I-I. So it could either be Latwi or Latwii, depending on the corner of the world that you're coming from linguistically, like potato or potato or tomato or tomato, right? Or Celtic or Celtic. Therefore, this same companion has been attempting the contact of this instrument also, although this instrument would have great difficulty in distinguishing the actual contact due to the lack of experience of your companion at this type of service. Nevertheless, it is well that this instrument also choose some manner of the challenging of contacts. Question 89.8 .8. Questioner, how many of our years ago was Ra's third density ended? Answer, I am Ra. The calculations necessary for establishing this point are difficult since so much of what you call time is taken up before and after third density as you see the progress of time from your vantage point. We may say in general that the time of our enjoyment of the choice-making was approximately 2.6 million of your sun years in your past. See, this is where, the, this is like, you know, what we call like the weirding way or, uh, you know, or the quantum weirdness. People here don't understand and don't get the concept, and I talk about this, and I try to talk about this as often as I can. We here have a linear timeline, a linear life path. We at this vibratory rate, being in the third density, we are, we are moving closer to the speed of light than all other souls in the universe. Not quite sure why it was done that way. I have a hypothesis because it takes us a long time. We have to take time to learn because this is where we're first the baby soul, where we first realize that we are. I think, therefore, I am. We realize we are something. So because we're now getting a crash course in the universe and what's going to happen from here on out, as well as having, the for the first time, chaos and the mind-wiping, so we're completely on our own to figure it out. That's almost a bad joke, right? That why would the universe do that? Well, that was it's a long story, but it's the way that people move and progress and learn faster because you have to. When your butt's on fire and the devil's chasing you, you run faster and you run harder and you try to learn a way to get out of the way or not get killed than you do when you when you know who you are, that you are part of the one, and that ultimately whatever happens doesn't matter. You don't take it serious. That's the truth of it. That's what happened. Okay, so... So we here have to have everything spread between past, present, and future, so it's very linear. The rest of the universe after this and before this is very non-linear, so past, present, and future is all perceived at the same time, okay? And once we get to that point, we ascend to that point here by learning the things that we need to learn that teach us how to expand our consciousness to the point where that reality isn't uh, something that will blow our brains out, blow our, just completely blow out our, all of our everything to do with reality, which it does anyways. But it does it here in a way that you have to understand the faster you go to closer to the speed of light you go, the more you are slowed down in real time.
So we're moving closer and faster, closer to the speed of light and faster than anyone else. Therefore, everything is stretched out so that we have a, a future that's not here yet. We have a present that is now and everything that has already happened is behind us and we can't go back to it. And that's because we're moving so fast that everything has slowed down to that point. Once you graduate from here, then you move into the nonlinear space of the universe, which makes up the rest of the 99.9% of the universe, or all the universe is. And then everything happens all at once. And as you get closer to that point, even here, you start getting deja vus, and they start becoming big and a lot. I just watched a game show last night, Wheel of Fortune, and I swear I saw that two days ago. But it said it was new, brand new, yesterday. But I knew the answer to everything because I had already seen it. I even knew the answer at the end, who was going to go to the end and who was going to, and that the woman wasn't going to answer it. And I knew what the answer was before they even turned everything over. That was a 30-minute deja vu. Okay, that was crazy. And I swear it was on. So I went back and checked the listings and it wasn't. But I saw it. I watched that whole entire episode. So the, those are the things that happen. Daniel Dunn, who I can't get a hold of anymore because he's the most deleted person in, the, in this world. He is one of those people. There's a few that I know, and some of them are hard to get in contact with because of that. He's one of those people who can perceive the past, the present, the future almost exclusively all the time because he's that close in vibration to ascending to the fourth. But he's still not because he's here to help. Okay, and he's got a bunch of books. Uh, so if you look up Daniel of Doria, you'll see that he's got like three books. And they're all inspirational books. You can open up any page in there, and every single page is a different inspirational saying that he wrote that will pertain to whatever it is that you're thinking at the time. I've tried it. It's pretty cool. You think up a question, and when you open that up, that answer, what he says in there is, is, is pertains to what you were thinking. It's crazy, right? It's not like he wrote things that could pertain to everything, but it, for some reason it works. It's the way he wrote and put the energy into the book, right? So that's craziness. So to, so this is what weirds people out is you get here and you go, wait a minute, what? So 2.6 billion, not million, billion with a B, 2.6 billion of our, of our sun years in your past, okay? So that could be for them in their, perspe their, their perspective, it was yesterday, because they're not in the time where everything, or it's today, it just happened a minute ago, a second ago, because everything happens that way outside of our time. And that's what people really have a hard time grasping. And, and truthfully, that's one of the lessons that you need to learn. You need to learn infinite reality, infinity itself, infinite wisdom, infinite love to understand everything. And then to understand that, you have to understand infinite nonlinear time, space, infinite nonlinear everything including mind body spirit complex totality do you see so see this is where i say that sometimes it takes a long time to get through because just this little paragraph right here was worth in my opinion unpacking that much because if you're here for the first time this is really big to you this re this realization if you if you already know all this you're going yeah bro it's basic move on right and for those of you who are already to that i say you know, either don't listen and come back later when you can fast forward and fast forward past that stuff or or you don't need me. So move on on your own. Right. And if you and if you do, then just, you know, wait a minute you know, and we'll get going again. Here we go. However, we correct this instrument. Your term is billion, 
2.6 billion of your years in your past. However, this time, as you call it, is not meaningful for our intervening space-time has been experienced in a manner quite and that your third density experience of space-time. Question 89.9 Questioner, it appears that the end of Ra's third density coincided with the beginning of this planet's second density. Is that correct? Answer, I am Ra. This is roughly correct. Question 89.10 Questioner, did the planet Venus become a fourth density planet at that time? Answer, I am Ra. This is so. Question 89.11 Questioner, did it later, then, become a fifth density planet? Answer, I am Ra. It later became a fourth fifth density planet, then, later a fifth density planet for a large measure of your time. Both fourth and fifth density experiences were possible upon the planetary influence of what you call Venus. Question 89.12 Questioner, what is its density at present? Answer, I am Ra. Its core vibrational frequency is sixth density. However we, as a social memory complex have elected to leave that influence. Therefore, the beings inhabiting this planetary influence at this space-time are fifth density entities. The planet may be considered a fifth-sixth density planet. Question 89.13 Questioner, what was your reason for leaving? Answer, I am Ra. We wish to be of service. Question 89.14 Questioner, I have here a deck of 22 tarot cards which have been copied, according to information we have, from the walls of the large pyramid at Giza. If necessary we can duplicate these cards in the book which we are preparing. I would ask Ra if these... Okay, so right there I wanted to point out some discrepancies, not with what he's saying here, but in a sense. Some discrepancies, there's a, there's a lot of misinformation uh, coming out around the world about um, the large pyramid. There's this belief that there are no carvings or writings on the inside of that pyramid, but I've seen different. And he just talks about here that this right here, for instance, I have a deck of 22 tarot cards which have been copied according to the information we have from the walls of the large pyramid at Giza. I also was told that a, that a person six feet tall could not fit in the, in the uh, king's chamber in the, in the, uh, in the sarcophagus. Yet I personally saw a picture of a friend of mine who was laying in it, who was six foot one. And he was laying in it, not with his legs all bunched up, he was fitting. He was fitting in there. And I asked him on air, dude, are you in there in that picture? And he says, yes. So I was told that, it, that a human couldn't fit in there, that it's smaller than five foot three. And he says, whoever told you that's lying. And then, of course, I said to him, I also hear that there's no... Um, carvings or any kind of uh, writing or, uh, at all and he said that's also a lie and then I've seen pictures from a friend of mine from inside there and there is hieroglyphs however it was not a tomb there is no proof there has never been any proof that it was a tomb other than that looks like there's a sarcophagus that has there's no lid and there's no rubble from any lid and I know that the Egyptians went through and pulled all the rubble, rubble out of there and I don't think they took any pictures of what was in there Right. That's what caused the problem with the rumors. But I just wanted to point that out that right here he states literally that these cards were transcribed on the in the large pyramid on the walls, large pyramid. Now, 
Whether that's true or not, I have no way of corroborating that because I haven't actually gone to the pyramid myself to see if there are tarot cards, in fact, on the walls. So, but from what I gather, there are. From the pictures that I've seen, I've seen hieroglyphs. The, the pictures are supposed to have been from within there. These cards represent an exact replica of that which is in the Great Pyramid? Answer, I am Ra. The resemblance is substantial. Question 89.15 Questioner, in other words, you might say that these were better than 95% correct as far as representing what is on the walls of the Great Pyramid? Answer, I am Ra. Yes. Question 89.16 Questioner, the way that I understand this, then, Ra gave these archetypical concepts to the priests of Egypt who then drew them upon the walls of one of the chambers of the Great Pyramid. What was the technique of transmission of this information to the priests? At this time was Ra walking the surface among the Egyptians, or was this done through some form of channeling? Answer, I am Ra. This was done partially through old teachings and partially through visions. Question 89.17 Questioner, then at this particular time Ra had long since vacated the planet as far as walking among the Egyptians. Is this correct? Answer, I am Ra. Yes. Question 89.18. Questioner, I would like to question Ra on each of these cards in order to better understand the archetypes. Is this agreeable? Answer, I am Ra. As we have previously stated, these archetypical concept complexes are a tool for learned teaching. Thusly, if we were to offer information that were not a response to observations of the student we would be infringing upon the free will of the learned teacher by being teach-learner and learned teacher at once. Question 89.19 Questioner, you stated that Ra used the Tarot to develop the magical personality. Was this done to mentally become the essence of each archetype and in this way develop the magical personality? Answer, I am Ra. This is incorrect. The clothing one's self within the archetype is an advanced practice of the adept which has long studied this archetypical system. The concept complexes which together are intended to represent the architecture of a significant and rich portion of the mind are intended to be studied as individual concept complexes as matrix, potentiator, etc., in viewing mind, body, spirit connections and in pairs with some concentration upon the polarity of the male and the female. If these are studied there comes the moment when the deep threnodies and joyful ditties of the deep mind can successfully be brought forward to intensify, articulate and heighten some aspect of the magical personality. Question. So there was much more to them than just getting readings about people uh, and for love things or whatever. Do you understand? Far, far more in-depth each individual card and each archetype and it was for each individual to discover that path which is basically those cards were introduced to basically be a, a, a you know a guideline to your own spiritual growth because it was supposed to be yours okay do you understand so it's not supposed to be something that they teach to the whole and everybody has to cookie cut or get it it was designed so that each person pondered that and it would lead them to the knowledge and their perception of that knowledge. And so that gives it, just like everything else in life, the more that you study it, 
the more you can unpack, like I said earlier, using that word, unpack what this exactly is that you're trying to look at or learn. And from that, you learn many, many, many things, and you should, is the point of this. Right? You know when people say, well, I read the Bible, and every time I go back and read the Bible, I learn something new. That's because you did learn before, and you're starting to unpack just how deep the message is that is in all of life. And I would suggest to every single listener out there that the truth is in what he just said is the truth of all knowledge in every aspect of everything you could possibly learn or learn, teach, teach, learn. Because it, you have to understand things for what they are. What was the, What is the deep root message that's trying to come through here? Is it a superficial message or is there something more esoteric here? And it's deeper and it's in there. And usually that's the way it is. And raw, this entire six books on its surface is very superficial and just these are some of the things that happened in history and we know about. And these are the, some of the things that are going to happen in your in your future. And as as I'm reading it and I'm understanding the words because physics being my major, right, understanding all of the words that are being said, I'm understanding that he's using those words because those words have deeper and richer meaning. And he's very precise. And because of that, now this goes to my philosophical background, because of that, when you're studying you know, like philosophy 101, you know, is literally you have to understand the mindset of the person who wrote it at the time. So to truly understand, say, um, Shakespeare, you have to understand the man. Who was Shakespeare? When did Shakespeare live? How did Shakespeare live? All of that is just as important as what Shakespeare wrote and why. In fact, it's more important to understand that because you're getting his perspective. And that goes with everything. Bob Dylan, right? Judas Priest, a rock band, right? Metallica, if you're a heavy metal fan. Green Day, whatever. A book, right? I was a really big uh, um, um, Stephen King fan. A lot of people don't know that. My son brought me a couple of movies, and uh, you know, he brought me like uh, what was it, uh, Dark Tower, and and um, the the one of another one I don't remember right offhand. And I was like, oh yeah, wow, they're doing a really good job. He's like, what do you mean they're doing a really good job? I'm like, it's just like the book. He's like, you read the book? I'm like, yeah, 25 years ago when it came out. (laughs) It's like they redid the Stand not too long ago, right? With Whoopi Goldberg, they did a great job, by the way. I didn't see the whole thing, but what I've seen, it's just like the book, and Whoopi Goldberg plays a, a, a that, that grandma character, that mama character, really well. Uh, personified. Pers- I, I Persona. I don't like Whoopi Goldberg's politics, but I love her as a person, and I, and she's a great, she's funny comedian and a great actress, and she did a really good job playing that part from every scene I've seen of that. So even that in and of itself, and I use the stand because... Most of everybody thinks, let me unpack this a little bit to show you. This is my parable here to what we're talking about. It takes Stephen King, for instance. If you look at Stephen King's books superficially, they're horror movies, right? They're horror stories. But if you actually delve into the, what he's, the message he's trying to tell you, he's telling you a, a message that is completely different from what you think. If you go and you watch The Shining and then watch, and that's the other one, was the new one uh, called Dr. Sleep. If you go and watch The Shining and then watch Dr. Sleep, 
if, if you've read the book The Shining and you, you never really did anything more with it was just a crazy horror story with ghosts and possession, and that's as far as you got with it, and then you go and read uh, Dr. Sleep, he explains in there in a different way, so it's a parable, uh, exactly what that was happening, what it was that was happening. And for those people who, who didn't get it the first time, when you read Dr. Sleep or watch the movie, you go, what? This is way deeper than I thought. And that was the, that was the point of Stephen King's genius, or is, because he's not deceased as far as I know, uh, is the, the, the point of his genius. There's other, you know, everyone is that way. Writers write stories, and they're not just uh, telling you a superficial story, but it is there for you if that's all you want is superficial in, in, entertainment. But otherwise, and I say this because I am a writer. I've written things. If you read my Ancient Aliens Worldwide and all you can focus on is the grammatical errors and the spelling errors that I didn't want to pay $10,000 for an editor to edit it, but the message needed to get out there. If that's all you focus on, that book's not for you. That book's not for you at all. You're not going to get through it. You're going to hate it. And you're going to go, oh, my God, this guy's a hack. But people read that and look past that. And then they come to me and go, wow, first of all, you're speaking in a language that I understand, right? That's why I wrote it that way, on purpose, so that the common folk can understand what I'm saying. And I'm trying to describe to you what's really going on. And the truth of that book is that that is what is really going on in real life. Okay? So if you read that, and the names have changed, but the places are the same. And I know that because... When I wrote that about Queen Creek, Arizona, I was living in that town at the time. And I know about the military bases there in and around and under the ground. Okay? I researched all that. That was all going on everywhere out there. Arizona, Nevada, New Mexico, Texas. Anywhere where it's the desert where not a lot of people are. They have a lot of that stuff going on. Okay. So the depth and finding the depth is your key to the universe in everything unpacking things as far as you can go and if you look at things like i said on the surface you know uh sometimes they catch your attention but most of the time it doesn't the lessons that are there even like the stories of of uh you know in movies like soylent green i mean most of you are too young to remember uh that movie or that book uh, and, and, you know, that's, that's a, a metaphor somebody used just recently when they sort of unpacked and understood what was happening, uh, you know, dealing with certain events that took place uh, last year in October, November, December, January. And they said that they had a, a Soylent Green moment. And not to spoil that movie, I'm not going to tell you what that is. If you ever want to see something that will really get you thinking and you're going to go, oh, no way. Watch that movie if you haven't seen it. I'll bet Rob, if he's still out there, he's seen it. Because Rob thinks a lot like I do. And that means he's been experienced a lot of the same things I have experienced. And most of the time when I talk to him about it, you know, one day I brought up something and he was like, that's the, you know, the, that's the, you know, the uh, Shinzu's Art of War. And I'm like, yeah, you read that? He's like, yes, I have. And I was like, good, see? So um, you would be surprised how many of people that I know that are, you know, think like that. So there is so much more than superficial knowledge in everything, is my point. And we're going to talk more about the, tar the tarot cards because that's what they're focusing on here. And I want you to pay attention, uh, and I'm going to take it, I mean, I'm going slow, I'm going to have to, because just like of what just happened here. Because of how complex this stuff actually is, and on the surface you could blow right past it. I could have just let that go for what they said there, 
And some people would have got that and said, wait a minute, I need to look more into that. And most people would have just gone, oh, okay, so that means like a lot of cool stuff, right? Yeah, all right, let's move on next. Right? So unfortunately for the average listener who has most people on this planet have an attention span these days of about five minutes or less. And that's done to you on purpose. That's I'm not talking to those people or I'm not trying to find those people. I'm trying to talk to people who have already slowed down and they're taking a, a, a larger, longer look at things. When my son was here last, we were talking and I was talking about baseball because of the time baseball was during the, the playoffs. It was almost the World Series. And he goes, oh, man, I can't watch baseball. It's too slow for me. And I said, son, I watch baseball just because it is that slow. Because there's and then just like racing. Right, I watch NASCAR or all racing. I watch anything, anything that race. I watch anything where humans compete, period. doesn't matter what it is. I love sports. I love everything. doesn't matter. If two humans are squaring off on each other and they're doing something, anything where they're competing against each other for something, I'm watching it because that's the beauty of the, it's the, the esotericness of us humans, that we can do so many different things and compete well at them. So I watch baseball because of that. And NASCAR, people go, oh, you just watch some cars going around and around in circles uh, counterclockwise, huh? <laughs> I'm like, that's because you don't know what's going on. Many times I've had that conversation. There is an intricate chess game that is going on that has as much to do with luck as it has to do with skill, as it has to do with perseverance and endurance in a 500-mile race on a one-mile track or less. Some of them are, are even smaller. But on a one-mile or a two-mile super speedway, that people don't understand the, the entire art of chasing another car and drafting off of it and, and doing what's called side drafting and trying to pass someone and, and just the intensity of all of that and the chess game that's happening. Unless you understand the rules, you have no idea what's going on. And it doesn't mean anything to you. You're just like, yeah, it's boring. They're just going around in circles. That's because you don't, you don't see it. You're not actually seeing what's happening. It's like watching a hockey game. Sometimes people are like, that is way too fast. I don't even know what's going on. That's why you don't like it. You don't know what's going on. You don't understand the rules, so you don't understand what skill it is. The average hockey player is on the ice for 30 seconds to, to 45 seconds at a time because they go all out so hard, so fast, that they are oxygen-deprived in a minute and a half. Almost always, unless there's a penalty or that goes out of bounds or there's some sort of stoppage of a clock. So they're constantly diving back over the wall or other guys are jumping over the wall to continue. Okay? And, and there's oh, so many more intricacies of that. So everything that is out there is that way. And anyone who knows sports understands that about the sport. I see martial arts for literally those words, martial arts. Right? I watch MMA and people go, you're, a, you're a, a pastor and you watch MMA? Yes, because I have been in martial arts since I was four years old. I understand it as an art form. I understand it as a dance. I understand that the body and the movements that the body is able to use and utilize. People are watching an MMA fight. They're like, now they're on the ground. They're just rolling around, dude. You have no idea what chess match is going on right there on the ground. And I'll, and I'll explain it to people. I'm like, okay, the guy's laying on his back. The other guy's on, on top of him, and he's in what we call full guard. So now what he needs to do is he needs to what they call posture up. That means get higher up on the guy so that he can bow his back back to get a distance between the guy and him on the ground, and he can rain down on him with punches or elbows. And the other guy needs to get those feet back below his hips. 
And so you'll see him with his toes grabbing the guy's leg and pushing his foot to get it back down. Chess game that you don't know that I could get into that would take me an hour and a half to explain one fight that while it was happening. But over the time of years of learning that, you see it happening instantly and you know what's going on. And you're thinking to yourself, you know, fire left and shoot your hip out and put your other foot on his knee. And you know that instinctively. And then if he doesn't do it, you're like, oh, he doesn't know what he's doing and he's, he needs to learn better. But that's the art form that those who, it's esoteric, those who have the knowledge and the eyes to see it can read it. It's the same thing in everything on the planet. Why is this important? Because this single ideology is the most important knowledge you can have in your arsenal for your entire life. The understanding that the, that you don't, no matter what you're looking at, it's not the entire picture ever. Ever. No matter what's being shown to you is not the exact 100% truth ever from anyone or anything. Because the only way you can know a thing 100% is to see it from every angle. From every ideology, from every, you have to what? Understand, again, this goes back to, right? Leo's, he's going off on a tangent. This goes back to philosophical thought. Same thing. Everything I've said to you is a parable saying, the key to understanding a thing is to understand the timeline when it was written, the person who wrote it, what their mindset was at the time, and what their motivation for writing it was. To learn a martial art, you have to understand, to, to watch a fight, you have to understand the art itself, the combat itself, which means you have to have the knowledge of everything that's happening in front of you so that you can understand what you're seeing that's happening in front of you. To understand the racing, you have to understand the chess game that is being played out before your eyes, otherwise you're just going to see cars going in a circle. Same thing with a football game, soccer game, basketball game, and that's just sports. So you have to, to discern yourself as an individual, you have to learn every aspect of you. Who am I? What is my surroundings? What is my environment? Where does my knowledge come from? What am I basing everything on? What am I perceiving? What am I missing? What am I not perceiving? And why? That's the only way. And then you have to be completely 100% honest with yourself of who you are, what you are, how you think, and what's wrong with you. You have to acknowledge these things before you can fix these things. Because there's something wrong with you. There's something wrong with 100% of every single human being on this planet. Otherwise, we wouldn't all be stuck here. Do you understand? And finding out what's wrong with us, the key to avoiding a trap is knowing of its existence. The knowledge that... Nothing you see is as it truly is in its totality. That is the knowledge that it is far deeper and richer knowledge to be gleaned from a rose than just a rose. If you understand that in everything, you'll understand. In, in the movie, here's another way of looking at it. In the movie and in the real story in real life of The, of the Last Samurai, they, even, they put it in the movie because it was one of the things that, that he actually talked about. He was looking at the flower on, on their tree. And I can't think of the, the tree's name right now, the type of tree, but it has flowers, many, billions of flowers on it. Beautiful. And each petal was like a snowflake. Each one was completely different. And he had said at one point to the American soldier, you could spend a lifetime 
looking at each one of these flowers and each one of these petals, and you would never be able to find a perfect one. And then in his dying breath, he saw them blowing in the wind, and his eyes opened and his mouth opened uh, agape, and his eyes opened wide, and he looked up and he said, No, they are all perfect. It was only in that final moment that he was going, when he was about to die, that he actually understood that everything is perfect because it is exactly what it was intended to be. Each petal was individual like each snowflake is individual like each human is individual like everything you think you know is individual and is perfect. That's the knowledge that if you practice that entire concept I just said to you, you will never perceive the universe the same nor anything in it and you will be better for it if you look at things and go, this is an onion. How do I unpeel it without breaking it all apart and destroying it? Or do I need to break it all apart and destroy it to get to the center to find out what's going on? Or should I just cut it in half and look? There are many ways of getting to the root of that onion. And sometimes, and most of the time, the best way of doing it is to go layer by layer by layer because that is the way the universe works. It's the way you work. It's the way I work. The harmony of the universe is everything is vibration. Everything is harmony. Therefore, they created this deck to show the depth for people who wanted to look for it. If you have within you that what it takes to slow down, pause, calm down, and look at a thing, and try and see that thing from every possible angle and aspect to understand everything about it, a wooden cube. You could ponder a wooden cube for a lifetime if you had the time. Right? And I got that from um, Mr. Mr. Uh, Magorium's Wonder Emporium. Great movie. You should see that. Really great movie that has to do with everything I was just talking about. That was a really, really, really good movie. If you, do, if you don't and you just see it for the entertainment value, it was a quirky little film that had to do with the belief of magic. And that's it. If you want to see it, only that. It's entertaining only on that aspect. But if you actually get what the story was trying to show to you in the world, that movie is one of my favorite movies of all time. All right, here we go. 89.20. Questioner, you stated that each archetype is a concept complex. Would you please define what you mean by that statement? Answer, I am Ra. Upon the face of it such a definition is without merit, being circular. A concept complex is a complex of concepts just as a molecule is a complex structure made up of more than one type of energy nexus or atom. Each atom within the molecule is its unique identity and by some means can be removed from the molecule. See, now he's going on using this analogy to do exactly the same parable that I just went through for the last 10 or 15 minutes with every single one I just went through. Okay, so here, let's continue. The molecule of water can by chemical means, be caused to separate into hydrogen and oxygen. Separately they cannot be construed to equal water. When formed in the molecular structure which exemplifies water the two are irrefragably water. 
Just in this way each archetype has within it several root atoms of organizational being. Separately the overall structure of the complex cannot be seen. Together the concept complex is irrefragably one thing. However, just as it is most useful in grasping the potentials in your physical systems of the constituted nature of water, so in grasping the nature of an archetype it is useful to have a sense of its component concepts. Do you understand? He literally just said what I said in that one sentence. He used that. He used water and the molecular structure therein or thereof. And the different components of when you separate those things and how they become something different. The more you look at a thing, the more there is depth there for you to see. Okay, so he literally used the scientific term terminology that Don would understand as a nuclear physicist. And through that atom right there, and I just used all those other sports things and everything that I just talked about, each one of those, I was telling you the exact same story and saying the same thing that he said in that one paragraph over and over and over, giving you several examples of that. Let's continue. Question 89.21. Questioner, in archetype 1, represented by tarot card number 1, the matrix of the mind seems to have four basic parts to the complex. Looking at the card we have, first and most obvious, the magician and what seems to be an approaching star. A stork or similar bird seems to be in a cage. On top of the cage seems to be something that seems to be very difficult at discern. Am I in any way correct in this analysis? Answer, I am Ra. You are competent at viewing pictures. You have not yet grasped the nature of the matrix of the mind as fully as is reliably possible upon contemplation. We would note that the representations drawn by priests were somewhat distorted by acquaintance with and dependence upon the astrologically based teachings of the Chaldees. Question 89.22 Questioner, when Ra originally trained or taught the Egyptians about the Tarot, did Ra act as teach learners to a degree that Ra became learned teachers? Answer, I am Ra. This distortion we were spared. Question 89.23 Questioner, then could you tell me what information you gave to the Egyptian priests who first were contacted or taught with respect to the first archetype? Is this possible for you to do within the limits of the first distortion? Now I want to pause right there really quickly and then jump back to what Ra had said, that you're very good at, at discerning what is in a picture, but you're not understanding the richer, deeper knowledge that is within that and what that represents. And then he went on to um, talk about and, and ask him to... Um, if you could describe that to him. So let's continue. Answer, I am Ra. It is possible. Our first step, as we have said, was to present the descriptions in verbal form of three images, 1, 8, 15, then the questions were asked, what do you feel that a bird might represent? What do you feel that a wand might represent? What do you feel that the male represents? And so, now, the numbers here that he's referring to are literally the, the numbers of the cards. There's 22 cards, and they're numbered from 1 to 22. And so he says, you know, his question is, uh, you know, then could you, this is, you know, 20, question 23, then could you tell us what the information you gave to the Egyptian priests whose first were contacted or taught with respect to the first archetype? Is this possible for you to do? Yes, it is. Raw, I am raw. It is possible. Our first step was, as we have said, 
was to present the descriptions in verbal form of three images, one, eight, 15. Then the questions were asked, what do you feel? What do you feel that a bird might represent? Do you see? So now he's kind of explaining that. So you don't get to know if you don't have the cards in front of you, you don't know what those images 1, 8, uh, 15 are because you, you don't see them in front of you. So you so but you could then get a deck, any deck and, and see that or the one that is as similar or as close to what they're describing here. And then you could actually look at that physically while going back and listening to this to get a better understanding of it. However, he's going to do what he can to describe that right here. OK. So forth until those studying were working upon a system whereby the images used became evocative of a system of concepts. This is slow work when done for the first time. We may note with sympathy that you undoubtedly feel choked by the opposite difficulty, that of a great mass of observation upon this system, all of which has some merit as each student will experience the archetypical mind and its structure in a unique way useful to that student. We suggest that one or more of this group do that which we have suggested in order that we may, without infringement, offer observations on this interesting subject which may be of further aid to those inquiring in this area. We would note at this time that the instrument is having almost continuous pain flares. Therefore, we ask that each of the support group be especially aware of any misinformation in order that we may correct any distortions of information the soonest possible. Right, so... See here, here even Raw suggests, you know, that that he he wanted him to to talk about that, and and he was saying, right, that that we really can't explain each of these until you've actually studied them somewhat, because, right, we suggest that that one or more of this group do that which we have suggested, and what do they suggest? That they go and actually look at these and, and ponder them, because. It's one of those things where if us trying to tell you what this means is going to infringe on the laws of the universe because you're supposed to learn this stuff for yourself. So, and this is how I, how I guide people in real life. I don't tell you anything. I don't give you information. I give you the tools. You, just like they do. They gave the people the tools, which are the tarot cards. And even here, Don is saying, can you explain what this stuff means? And Don's saying, no. These were intended for you. They're esoteric. They were intended for you to go and study to find the depth of these individual cards, which is what I talked about for 20, 30 minutes there, and figure out what's there. Then we can discuss that, and you can come at that point. He's saying, basically, you can come and then discuss it with Raw, and Raw will then, uh, you know, uh, give you more tools to go down a different path, let you know that you're going the right way or, or whatever. I don't tell people they're going down the wrong path unless they're really, really misle misled, and they're going to harm themselves by being that way. And then I will say, hold on a second here. Let's take a look at this. There are other options. But I don't force anything on anybody. I'm not trying to sell anybody anything. That's not how I work. So the information is there, and even Raw here at this point will not elaborate on that without, the, without Dawn or someone in the group having first pondered it. All right, let's continue. Question 89.24. Questioner, now as I understand it, what you suggest as far as the tarot goes is to study the writings that we have available and from those formulate questions. Is this correct? <laughs> Answer, I am Ra. No, and then he'll get into explaining what I just was sort of explaining. No. 
Okay, that's the end of that video for those of you on the MP3 file. The reason for the pause is because that video is ending and we're going to go and start the next one, which is session 989 and the second part of that session. Question 89.25 Questioner, I'm sorry that I didn't understand exactly what you meant with respect to this. Would it be appropriate then for me to answer the questions with what I think is the meaning of the three items that you spoke of for card number one and then card date, etc.? Is this what you mean? Answer, I am Ra. This is very close to our meaning. It was our intention to suggest that one or more of you go through the plan of study which we have suggested. The queries having to do with the archetypes as found in the Tarot after this point may take the form of observing what seemed to be the characteristics of each archetype, relationships between mind, body and spiritual archetypes of the same ranking such as matrix, or archetypes as seen in relationship to polarity, especially when observed in the pairings. Any observations made by a student which have fulfilled the considerations will receive our comment in return. Our great avoidance of interpreting, for the first time, for the learned teacher various elements of a picture upon a piece of pasteboard is involved both with the law of confusion and with the difficulties of the distortions of the pictures upon the pasteboard. Therefore, we may suggest a conscientious review of that which we have already given concerning this subject as opposed to the major reliance being either upon any rendition of the archetype pictures or any system which has been arranged as a means of studying these pictures. See, which is exactly what I had said. Literally, they, it goes against the, the laws of the universe if they tell them and give them any of the knowledge prior to them finding the knowledge on their own. One of the frustrating things in guiding people that I run into is just that when they know that I know a thing, but I won't tell it to them. And they say to me, why won't you tell me that? And I, I tell them, not because I'm trying to withhold it from you, but because the universe will not allow me, even though I know the answer to your query, I cannot give you that information in this case, because in this case, it is something that you are supposed to learn on your own. So I don't try to give an opinion. I tell people just that when it comes to that stone wall, and I've tried to get around it, the universe will literally shut you down and not let you tell someone a thing that they are supposed to be working on on their own. And this is because before you came here, you sat down with yourself, your spirit guides, and you decided the things that you needed to work on in this lifetime. God doesn't do evil things to people and control your life. And why does God let this happen? God didn't let God lets everything happen. You choose the path in which you walk. You choose the time in which you learn it. You also choose the, those things which you take on to learn. So therefore, there are some things when people say, am I going to die in two years? I'm not going to tell you the answer to that question. The, f the future is fluid and every decision you make between now and two years from now is going to change the outcome of everything that happens to you within the next two years. So by me telling you, well, yeah, you're going to die on this date, that's going to change everything that you do in between now and then and drive you to die on that date, whether or not you were going to die on that date. Do you understand that? Because now I've told you that, and if you believe that, you believe that thing so strongly, you will die then. Because you write that in the matrix. We have that control over the matrix. And that is what's been taken from us by the powers that should not be. They understand that if they control the matrix, they can control the narrative, they can brainwash people into believing a thing, and that thing becomes true because we believe it. Do you see? 
So there are some things that that maybe I have already gone through, and this is why it's hard for anyone in life to try and teach someone something when they're not ready to learn it yet. But yet, for some reason, we humans want to stick our nose in everybody's business all the time. Some people need to have that control. They're narcissistic, and those narcissistic people are evil in the minds of the universe. So the only thing you can do is you can be there for people, and this is what we all need to understand and get back to doing. Be there for them. We can give them the tools, and that's warning of, look, the way you're going in your life right now, if you keep going this way, you're going to harm yourself, unless they're ready to believe it like a drug addict. They're not going to get off drugs until they want to. Till they've learned a lesson that they needed to learn to do that. We spend more time trying to change everyone else's minds around us. And, and we're not supposed to be doing that. We are supposed to be looking within and taking care of ourselves. And assisting to help guide, teach, learn, learn, teach. That's why it is, it is said that way. Because I don't have all the answers. If I did, I wouldn't be here. No one has all the answers. No one knows everything. Some people claim to. They claim to know things they can't possibly know. So because of that, because you have people of all different types and some people lie about everything, everything's so screwed up here with, with everything because what do you believe? I don't know what to believe. And that's done on purpose. That's that ego that is the Internet, that is this, the extra ego that is now, uh, you know, just like the television is another one, movies, industry. Everything is a distraction to keep you from balancing yourself in harmony. Your mind, your spirit, your mind, your body. Okay? Your, your, your totality. You have to balance your mind. To do that, you have to balance your body. And to do that, you have to eat the right foods to balance your body and exercise and sleep right. Take care of the body. You have to take care of everything. Not just your physical body, but your spiritual body. All of your chakras. Your, your mind, your spirit itself. You have to get into your mind. You have to get into your spirit. You have to get into your soul, into your heart. That's the only way you can do that. So you need to take what I've talked about here. There's the tools I gave you to apply to yourself. You have to get into every single detail of you. What happened to me in my past? I have to unpack all that. There's stuff, you know, we spend the second half of our lives trying to fix all the things that this world did to us in the first half of our lives. If we get that. Some people never get that and they never do that. Okay? And that's that's because that's where they are. But... When you have an external force that is trying to keep you from doing just that, then unfortunately, we get stuck, and that's what's happened here, okay? So it is important. That's why I'm taking a lot of time in the beginning of them talking about the tarot cards because they're going to get tedious, and he's going to start talking about trying to make it, and, and um, I would say to, that we need to listen to that. I'm not going to skip over any of that. Because there's going to be things there that I'm obviously going to take time on. Okay, but I wanted to spend a lot of time prior to this because if you're here today and you heard any of this stuff that I've talked about today, this is, is like super deep. And this is where like, I go harken back to when I first read the books. And I was like, how are they going to be, what can they possibly talk about for 106 sessions for six freaking books? And then I got through the whole thing and was like, okay, somebody needs to help translate this. Somebody and that and I realized I was already told prior to that that I was already the beacon, one of the beacons, and that people gravitate to me because they're supposed to find me. 
so that I have a message for them in some way. And a lot of times that there's messages that I get from you guys. I work with you independently, not just here listening to my podcast. And then I learn something. I'm always, you know, learning. So that's why they say learn, teach, teach, learn, because that's what we do. There's a transition and a transmission of knowledge that we gain from and glean from each one of us because we can't we can't change that. The fact is that every time it's the, you know, it's the chaos theory, the butterfly theory, the drop in the pond. If I interact with you, my interacting with you is going to change me forever because there's going to be your vibration and, and your ideology and your way of thinking. And you're, and you're going to affect me as much as I'm going to affect you, even if we're just giving each other the tools or passing on the street, sitting at the same stoplight. There again, this is the esoteric part of unpacking just how deep everything is. Okay, and I've been telling people this my almost my entire life because I was always awake, not woke. Anybody who says I'm woke, they're not really awake, right? That's that fake woke stuff. I'm woke, man. I'm so woke. No, you're not. No, you're not. Okay, I'm not gonna argue. You might be, right? So I'm not gonna argue that. When anybody says that, I just go oh, okay, because it's not my place. I'm not the one who's going to judge that. So I don't really care if they are or they're not. I mean, I would hope they are because I want to get the vibration of this planet moved up enough to where we can all graduate and get out of here, right? That's the purpose for me being here. So everything that you that happens to you, and I've said this since I was like 14, 15 years old, that even your perception of a stranger that you perceive at a stoplight or you're driving down the road and you look over and there's somebody next to you and you're driving along, the second you look at that person, you make up their entire life in your head. You don't realize you're doing it, but you do, right? That's, that's where we have those falsehoods where we look at people, and unless you're very honest with yourself, it's hard to look at somebody in a half a second and, and make everything up, but we have this innate need for our reality to, to ground ourselves in a reality by making up a backstory for everyone that we see. Because we have that need. We have to fill in those blanks because otherwise it's, you know, our reality isn't perceived the same way. So when you look at a stranger, you don't know anything about them, but you look at them and you look them up and down and you try to, to try to add that to your reality and make it something that's tangible for yourself. The, the knowledge of the fact that, su- that subconsciously you're going to do that is the same. It's another parable of, of what I was talking about earlier. Right. You have to understand when you look at something that you are going to, whether you want to or not, you're going to start trying to make all everything about that thing real to yourself by introducing not necessarily the truth about that person's life. And that's why they say you shouldn't judge a book by its cover. That's where that saying comes from. Because if you look at a thing from just the cover, you're looking at it from one vantage point only. Again, the same, the same uh, parable. Until you get into that book and read it or turn it over and read the little synopsis on the back or, or flip open the first page, depending on, on how they have that. And it tells you a little bit about the book or the preamble to the book, right? And then, then you get a sense for, at that point, you know, the flavor of what that book's going to be like. And if that registers with you, then you'd be more apt to read the book. But even then, you don't get the full scope until you dive into the book and read the book and actually understand what has been written in there. Same thing, different parable. Do you understand? So that's the way everything works, and we all need to do that. So you have to be aware of these things. The first... Step in avoiding a trap is knowing of its existence. Know that subconsciously you're going to make decisions and make up a a history for a stranger when you don't know that. So your expectations become what they perceive, what they want you to, to see. Bad people 
want you to see them as good people until they're ready to pounce on you because that's what they do. They want to make you their prey. Evil does that. So you, this is a lot of the things that I talked about in my, in my uh, you know, uh, defense against the, the dark arts one and two. Why do I have the need for that? I don't want to have the need for any of that. You don't have to if you don't do anything that is out of the ordinary. If you're just a normal person, and you don't really need to know that, but you still need to know it. Okay, because there's going to be people trying to take advantage of you and rape and kill you and, and dismember you and do hideous stuff to you. Because that's, those people live here on this planet with us. They're evil. And some of them are really evil. Jeffrey Dahmer, right? There, there are people that are really out there that are really evil that just do hideous stuff to people. Jeffrey Dahmer used to kill them and cook them and eat them and make furniture out of their bones. Hannibal Lecter, that was a real person. Hannibal Lecter's character was based on a real person that was really uh, did the things that Hannibal Lecter did in those movies. I know that because I was told you this before I was studying at one point. I was going to go to Quantico and study to become a profiler, so I was learning the you know all the profiler, all the movies and books that were written since 1987 to to now. Even the Clarice uh, uh, new television show is all based on cases that the greatest profiler in the history of the FBI, uh, who was, became their teacher and taught for 35 years uh, uh, profiling around the world, not just to the United States, but to Interpol all the way around the world. All of those books were based on, and all those movies were based on either his actual cases or based on him as a person. The Clarice character, the Manhunter character, the, the Red Dragon uh, the different, you know, uh, all the uh, NCIS or CSIs, all the CSI television shows, the characters in those television shows, they were all based on him as a forensic scientist and a uh, and a um, FBI agent when he was a profiler for the FBI. Okay. Many television series throughout the 80s, 90s, into the 2000, and even, like I said, all the way up to now in 2021, you have Clarice, which was based on Silence of the Lambs, which was based on him just turned into a woman character okay so he understood that subconsciously we perceive certain things where were you going with this leo oh my god you're ranting he understood that the our perception of somebody is directly related to what they're trying to get us to believe about them as much as not good people aren't trying to sway what you think about them some people want to make a good impression so they're trying to put their best foot forward in, in certain scenarios. The best time, see, as a people watcher, I do this. This is the anthropology in me, right? My father taught me this when I was a kid. The best thing you could do in life is go somewhere, a mall, a park, and then just sit down and just watch people. Because you're watching them in their natural habitat where they're not trying to impress. Some of them are, right? Some of them are and some of them aren't. So, but you can see people in their natural environment doing natural things. And you can watch how they act when they don't think anyone sees them. And you can also see how they act when they know that people see them. So my father taught me that at a young age. We used to go places and see the sights of things. And we would stop at rest stops and campgrounds. And we would sit there and we would just watch everyone else. And just see what they did. And it's funny when you do that because you see people do stupid things. They fall down. They bump into stuff. They sometimes they don't. They talk to themselves. They pick their nose. You know, they, it's just quirky things. But it's just humans living their lives. 
But that gives you an insight into many things when you do that. This is how I grew up. Learning that ability from my father, who was, in fact, a police officer and a fireman at different times in his life. And an investigator, a private investigator. And an investigator from Ma Bell. So because of that, he thought like a cop. And he saw that I did the same. He used to tell me that all the time. I have the refer- I have the the in, the refl- the uh, um, instincts of a police officer and the reflexes of a gunfighter. Right. So so he honed those skills. Right. It was just like that that TV series. Um, oh, what is it? What was it called? Um, Elementary or no? It's not called that. I can't think of the name. But the, the guy's father was a cop, and then. He taught him all those skills, and he's not actually a cop, but he works as a private investigator with another guy, and I forgot the name of the, the TV show. I'll have to give it in a minute. And you perceive those things, right? And that's because you, you hone your skills to see certain things that happen. And watching television is actually another good example because they're acting on purpose. So they're showing you blatant emotions on a heightened level because you're supposed to see it. It's called, that's why it's called a, you know, opera or a theater or drama. Okay, and comedy is the other way around. They're, they're doing absolutely crazy, um, funny things on purpose. These things are good to take in if you're trying to learn human traits, to watch different people in different places. There was a movie um, that was that was called, um, oh, Pierce Brosnan was in it. Darn it, I can't think of the name of it right this second. I will in a minute. And uh, he was, a, he was a, an anthropologist and an archaeologist, and he was going around, but he was one of those people who went around and he watched other humans in their natural habitat, he would hide behind a duck blind or sometimes go into a village in Africa and he would film these people and watch their rituals and the things that they did. And he did that all over the world, right? And I can't think of the name of it now. You can look up Pierce Brosnan and look up movies that he made and it was this one that had to do with the Inuit. I don't remember what it was called. Could have been called that. No, it was called something else. And he was here in L.A. and he was, he was actually he was with his wife and they were French and they came to L.A. and they were, they were here on a sabbatical or they were just going to like take time. This is where they were going to live. And he had been out in the wild for a long time and he was, he was trying to settle down with his wife and he stumbled onto this marauding group of people and realized that they were not unlike the Inuit, which is a legendary character in Alaska with all of the uh, peoples up there. And they were in a modern major city, L.A., and he was like, this can't be right. But they, he started following them and watching them, and then they got on to him. And it turned out they were, in fact, these spirits possessing people's bodies that would go around and, and, and attach themselves. You have to watch the movie. It was really, really, really good, in-depth there again. Uh, look into the human psyche as well as superstition and fear. Okay. Uh, so it was really, really intense. It was a good psychological thriller for a psychology class. In fact, I think they show it in psychology classes. Now, we're, oh, how does all this tie into? This all ties into your perception of your surroundings and how that pertains to and drives your reality. You need to be able to understand and discern the difference uh, in all of that, is this person trying to make me believe something? It's almost being paranoid because it is kind of in a sense. You're almost being paranoid or on the state of paranoia. So you have to be careful not to go down that road because if you go down that road, paranoia can't, you know, paranoia kills. You can get really off the edge. I watched a guy who was who did that when the place that I worked, he was on he was doing drugs. He was doing speed 
And because of him doing that drug, he started getting really paranoid and he thought that the store manager was stealing and he was giving things away for free and and it was just this crime ring and this craziness was going on. And he drove himself insane, almost literally, to where we found him in in a stock room on the floor babbling incoherently and had to call the 911 and they took him in and realized that he had a psychotic break. And it had to do with him taking medic, you know, on medication, but also doing drugs. And the drugs interacted with his medication, and and he literally started getting paranoid. And he did more drugs because of it, and in the, and it drove itself until it drove him insane, and he had a psychotic break. He survived it, thank the gods, but he was never really the same after that because he had that event happen to him, and that was tra- very traumatic to him. Okay, but he believed that reality that he created. So it's a it's a fine line. Everything is a fine line. If you do too much of something, uh, it gets to become uh, dangerous. So you need to be careful in that respect, uh, because when you go down that road, you'll you do start to see things that you didn't see before, right? And they show you this in everything. This is why uh, people say, you know, man, you're babbling on. No, I, here's another perfect example. If you watch um, the the movies, uh, the Men in Black. Okay, just the first one, for instance, there was a time in that when when, you know, uh, uh, what's his name's character didn't believe uh, that there were aliens. But Tommy Lee Jones's character was was taking him and they were going to find this alien because it was this gun that he said that the guy had. And he goes, I don't know the one place that sells that. So they go to talk to that guy. And, you know, he, he ends up shooting the guy's head off. His head explodes, and he's like, whoa, put down the gun. And he puts the gun on Tommy Lee Jones uh, because he's a cop as well. And he's like, and he's like, you know what, you know what, Slick, just relax. And the guy's head grew back, and it freaked him the hell out. After that scene when they walked outside, he started looking around, and because his reality had changed and he realized there are actual aliens on this planet living among us, he walked outside, and just by going out to get air, and he's out there for 30 seconds, he's seeing aliens everywhere, and it's not a dream. He's actually able now because he's, his reality has changed. His perception of his reality has changed, and now he's able to see the things that he wasn't able to see. And Tommy Lee Jones' character comes out, and the guy's looking around, and he says, he looks to him, and he says, at one point, he says to him, man, this is all crazy. And he says, right, and, and 30 minutes ago, you, didn't, you knew there were no aliens living on this planet. And, and, you know, that was him saying, but now you've seen them, and you can't unsee them. Because now you know. So that's what I tell people to be careful because once you start going down certain roads, when you learn a thing, you can't unlearn it. So some people just want to run headlong into things without taking the time. This is why I'm here to do what I'm doing. Without taking the time to stop and smell the roses. Because if you just run up to a rose and you smell it and you want to go to grab it, you may prick your finger because you don't realize that every rose has its thorn. But if you look at every rose, you see they have the thorn and you learn how to avoid pricking your finger on the thorn. The first step in avoiding a trap is knowing of its existence. The same thing happens that I tell people with knowledge gains resistance. Okay? So as you unpack things and you learn more, it changes your perception of your reality because you have gleaned more knowledge and that creates more questions for you, which creates more answers, but then it also creates more questions. You will never get all the answers to the universe because we can't perceive that here. We have a long road ahead of us 
to answer everything in the universe. And the answers will only come 100% when you reintegrate with the one true creator at some point, some hundred billion years from now, as we perceive time. And I don't even know if that figure's right. I'm guesstimating. I'm just throwing a number out there that sounds big, 100 billion. That could be nothing. It could be even more than that. But your, but your perception of time will change once you graduate from here to the next level. So your perception of time changes because you're not vibrating at the same speed, the rate, that is so close to the speed of light. You slow down, but your vibration is at a, is at a, a higher place. So everything will change there. But everything, knowledge and all of knowledge in the universe comes down to your perception and how much time you want to wring something out. The patience or non-patience of whether or not you can understand a thing to its end or do you need to. Some things you don't need to unpack that, that far. Some things you do. We have to ascertain which, when, how, and where. That's the only way that we learn anything. Running headlong into, I learned a little bit, I learned a little bit, I learned a little bit, is going to get more and more resistance. And then you have to understand that even if you're doing that and it's helping you and you are able to skip over a few things, every time you get to a plateau where you're about to move up to another octave within that octave, you're going to get pushback and it's going to hold you down for a while, just like as if you're trying to lose weight or you're trying to work out. You get to that plateau, no matter what you do, nothing changes for a long time and then all of a sudden you just bust through it. That is in everything that you will perceive as knowledge, learning and understanding in every aspect of everything in the entire universe. Relationships, everything. That's how we learn. If you're serious and you want to continue to go forward, you will be relentless and you will not stop and you will force, I will go past this point. This too shall pass. Do you see? All of our sayings come from learning and knowledge. They come from strife. That's how we learn. Pain, love, everything has to be balanced. Whatever you learn in a good way, you learn in a bad way as well because you have to understand the difference between the two. The perception that we have, though, is skewed to the negative. We concentrate more on the negative than we do the positive. We see the negative as a bigger deal than the positive. That's wrong thinking. Everything that we've learned, we have to unlearn. Everything. And then relearn it. Because your reality is a lie and it's been taken from you since before you were born. So you have to unlearn everything that you have learned so that you can learn those things that you need to learn. Okay? So I'm going to come back here to check the time because I think we're, we're getting low on time here. Yes, we are. Okay, so we'll, we'll end it right there and start that question over next Friday. All right? And um, I guess I could turn my camera back on, right, instead of... There we go. I don't have my glasses on now because I wasn't reading anymore, so I took them off. <laughs> so, so I don't know if any of this has helped anyone because I know there was a lot that I said, and it was all parables. So if you got bored with hearing me say the same thing over and over again, you understood them, and, and, and that's good. If you didn't, then and you finally, if something there resonated with you, then good. That was why I said all of those things because that 
And I've said it before, knowledge and understanding knowledge is the key to the entire universe and everything that's happening to you. But the only way that you can gain that knowledge is, first of all, look for it and ask questions. Secondly, you have to then take care of yourself so that and understand you and unpack you. Because how can you perceive and unpack the universe when you're coming from a skewed position because of everything that's been told to you that's wrong and the entire reality that we live in? You can't. Because your perception, everything you perceive comes from everything that has happened to you in your life, all of your experiences, and the collective ideology and thought process of those experiences. So everything that was told to you, if you believe it to be true, doesn't necessarily mean it is. Okay? And people say, well, give me an example of that that I can, you know, look into. And I say, our number system. Right? Physics was my major. Numbers. Our number system, 0 through 9 or 1 through 10, multiples of 10, is wrong. Period. The worst possible mathematics you could ever possibly use in this universe, in this reality. Multiples of 12 is the correct way. Not 10. 12. Unpack that, understand that, and ask why that is. 3, 6, and 9, as above, so below, which is also wrong. It should be as below, so above. 3, 6, and 9, right? And I talked about that on one of the shows almost exclusively. The energy therein or thereof collectively plus the intention of the creator or, in this case, a sub-creator at a sub-logos, you, me, us, is a multiple of 12. The universe itself is a multiple of 12 or a multiple of 3 or a multiple of 4. Definitely 3, 6, 9. 3 plus 3 equals 6. 3 plus 6 equals 9. 3 plus 9 equals 12. That's 3 times 4. 3, 3, 3, 3. That is the proper mathematical equation to solve the mathematics of the universe. Multiples of 12, not 10. It was easy to count because we have 10 fingers, 10 toes. So, that, you know, digits, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. And it's round and it's easy. Then you go, then you just add another 1 to it. So it becomes 10, then it becomes 20. So that's 1, that's 2 now. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 3. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 4. Super easy. Even the, even the, the monkeys get it. I mean, literally, the gorillas, they even get it. It's wrong. That adds fractals to our mathematical equation in fractions. Multiple of 12s takes away the fractals. So all of the universe is easier to figure out. Try calculating pi with not multiples of 10, but multiples of 12. We can't calculate pi to the nearest digit because by counting on, on, as a multiples of 10, we can't calculate pi. We can only surmise it out to seven digits, and then it re, re, uh, goes all over each other again and again, like, you know, say, you know, 150,000 or whatever, 160,000 divided by four. Right? What is that? You know? 33,333, that would be like 100,000 divided by, by 4. 33,333 divided by 3. You can't get it. It goes 33.3333333333, and at some point you write the infinity symbol. Right? That's because you're counting with multiples of 10. If you do everything in multiples of 12, that's hard to do, but it, but it becomes easier once you understand it and you start to do it. They don't teach that in academia right now because 
they're too proud. It's the same thing with we're being we're using wheat instead of using mesquite uh, uh, seeds. Right? Those of you who live in the deserts of Sedona, Arizona, New Mexico, Texas, you live in the deserts, Nevada. You guys get that. You have the the seeds that are on the mesquite and the hickory trees that, when ground up, is turns into the same flour that they get from the wheat grain. Only it's absolutely gluten-free, sugar-free, sweeter, and better for you than that crap that we use called wheat. But because they already had all the wheat fields in the east, when the pioneers discovered it, when they came across the plains, especially the South Plains, because that's where it grows, when they came across the South Plains going through Texas, New Mexico, Arizona to get to California, and they were running out of food, the Native Americans, the Hopis, the Anasazi, and, and uh, the Apache, Apache being the largest at that time, taught them to use this tree that grows wild out there and to get the, you can take the bean pod off of there and cook it when it's green and it's like eating a green bean. Or you can let it dry out and then you can make tea out of it. Or you can let it dry out and pulverize it into uh, a flour and then cook with it. That's what they used. And coming forward in time, they found out that it's far healthier, but the industry won't change from wheat because they already have money in it. It's just like they don't want to get off of fossil fuels. Now, this is not politics. This is what I'm going into. This is just economics. They don't want to get off fossil fuels because there's too much money in it. Even though it's very bad for our health, they don't want to change the industry because no one's forcing them to. Do you understand? We are trying to do that. A lot of people on this planet are trying to go to renewable, sustainable, non-aggressive energies. That's why we talk about here in the United States when you when people have the, like farm farmed sustainable crops of fish they would I would rather eat that than to have them raping the the fish from the ocean and not replenishing that right so that's living with the land not on it or off of it you're living with the land we need to get back to doing that fossil fuels is not living with the land it's living off of the land or against the land it does damage to us a disguise Okay, but they don't want to get off of that because there's no money in it. Right? There is money in it, but not for them because their whole industry is oil, say. They'll go out of business and have to start an industry on electrical or something else that we come up with. So they, they don't want to do that. They've made billions for generations on that fossil fuel, and they want to keep it as long as they can until they're forced off of it. No one wants to do anything like that until they're forced to. So they'll give you bad grain that's weaponized that they'll do damage to you because that's what they've been doing forever. Until enough people call for the opposite, and then everybody switches everything. But they won't do it if, they don't, if you don't force them. That's why alcohol is still a sale. I drink alcohol all the time. I like it. I'm an alcoholic. I enjoy it. I drink it every night. It doesn't, doesn't hinder my life. I'm not falling down drunk in the streets and unable to take care of myself and without a job, although I don't have a job right now because I am, in fact, retired. <laughs> right? But my point is, I was a functional alcoholic. Most of the people on the planet are. It's not a disease where it, it ruins your life and you die from it and nothing. And, and that's it, period. Right? It's not, it's not like that. Many people live forever. My uncle lived forever, and alcohol wasn't the reason that he died. He got pneumonia and died. And he was in his 80s. And he drank alcohol from the time he was 16 until he died every single day. Okay. And then the alcohol didn't kill him. It wasn't his disease wasn't because, well, he had so much alcohol in the system that his body couldn't handle it and he died from pneumonia. Nope. 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 Not what happened. Okay. So 
I'm not saying that everybody should go ahead and drink. My point is you need to learn who you are and what your body can and can't do, right? That's the important thing. Learn that stuff because that knowledge is the key to the universe. And don't believe anything anybody tells you. Don't believe anything I've said. Go and look it up for yourself. Take everything that I have said to you and, and go down that road. Go down those rabbit holes. Find your own rabbit holes. Go down them. And if you at any time find something that you say, you're absolutely wrong, Leo, I'll put you on the show. You can tell the whole world how I found out that Leo was wrong and he didn't know what he was talking about. And this is it. I'll let you tell people. I'm not afraid of that. I, in fact, like a discussion. I like other people's opinions about things. All the stuff that I say about raw ultimately is me trying to translate, but it's my opinion. Some people might not believe what I say is what they get from the same exact words from raw. That's okay. Right? I would love to hear their version of, of what I missed because my perception is different. That's why I used to, I loved it when Omar was here because Omar had a different uh, a way, because he was seeing it from a different perspective. He was seeing it from his perspective and I was seeing it from mine. So we were able to really, you know, get in there and get stuff out. So you guys are hearing just my version. There's other people out there that are talking about Law of One and giving you their version of it as well. No one has the exclusive right version of anything. Everything on this planet is a matter of perception, and it's a matter of individual perception, and you have your own perception. So you make up your own story, right or wrong, and you live your life by that. There is no right way. There is no wrong way. There just is experience and learning. That's all there is. We will all ascend at some point back to the one. Whether you believe that or not is not important. Same thing when people say, do you think Jesus was real? Not important at all. What's important is the message that is being broadcast. Was Moses real? Not important. The message that is there. Was the Bible real and given by God? Not important. The message that it is teaching, the message that those Talmuds are teaching are good. So it doesn't matter whether they're real or not. Whether they're imaginary is no more important than if they are actual history. Nothing. Neither is, no religion is better or above or below or beside any other religion. It is a matter of perception and a matter of what you feel and whether or not you like a religion, if you like any at all. Okay? Don't let anybody tell you anything different. Well, we're a Catholic, so you have to be Catholic. I'm a man, you have to be a man, boy. No. You carve your path the way you want it to be. You make the decisions in your life. You learn what it is that you want to learn, when you want to learn it, how you want to learn it, and when you're ready to learn it. That's the way you set it down for yourself, and that's the way the one true creator wants it. All of us to experience every possible experience that we, he, it, they could imagine. And all of us are little teeny individuals, a little teeny piece of that one true creator on our own independent path. Meanwhile, experiencing everyone else, experiencing it at the same time, which is, which is making even more and more experiences. Because I see you experience something or go and see a movie with you. We both laugh about it and then we share what we got and we tell our friends. And so that changes our perception of what we just saw. Do you understand how that all works? Right? That's the butterfly effect or the drop of water. You're next to me and I'm next to you and both of our rings go out and touch each other and then that changes the course of everything again, right? 
That's the understanding and the key to the entire universe. That and as below, so above. Forget those words that they lie to you and say as above, so below. That implies that there is a creator God who is controlling all things, who created us, and what happens in heaven happens on earth. When it's the opposite way around in every torment, in every religious torment on this planet, it is spoken of, and it is what you perceive on earth shall be in heaven. Right? Look at your Christian Bibles, Matthew 18, verse 17 through 21. That which you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. That which you unleash on earth shall be unleashed in heaven. (coughs) Pardon me. That's telling you that you're in control of the matrix, not some creator God. There is no creator God. That is the the Orion uh, Crusader group who is trying to mind, uh, mind meld and then trying to Jedi mind trick and gaslight this planet into believing that there is a creator God and we are slaves because we were created as a slave labor race, quote unquote, with finger quotes in the air. And they want that narrative to be pushed onto the planet because if we all believe that, it becomes true. Why? Because we create the narrative here. What we collectively as a hive mind complex perceive as reality becomes such. What we allow to happen to us becomes reality. (coughs) So if we all believe that we were created as a slave labor race, they will show up and claim that they created us. That's their plan. That's what they're here to do, to take over this world. And they've been about it for I don't know how long, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of years. Right? We know now that, that you know there's been life on this planet for millions of years. Not just these 10,000. We've only been here at first. It was 2,000. When I was a kid, we life on this planet was only 2,000 years old. Then they said, well, Jesus was alive before that, and there was people before that. So then they admitted that we were 4,000, 3 to 4,000 years old. Since then, you come forward in time, I'm 53. So, so for the last 40 years, up until 40 years ago, the reality of scientists on this planet believed with that reality and humans, the human race, has only been here for 4,000 years. And it's taken them until now to admit that we have been here 10,000 years. <clears throat> and in the last five years, they've gone, well, we might have been here for 75 to 100 and some odd thousand years. And some of them are starting to go further back. But literally, they took the, geo, the, the, the Judeo-Christian ideology and timeline and said, well, we're only about 5,000 years old. But the Hebrews still talked about eight to 9,000. They said, well, you count different than we do. So when they put it all together, they went, well, okay, maybe we're 10 to 12,000. And that was as far as they wanted to go with it. And then they look at the science, and they're finding links all the way back. Well, they had that missing link, though, you know, and that was the problem. So they couldn't, they couldn't really actually say the Darwin, and, you know, well, we came from monkeys. They still can't. They still can't. There's a big leap that happens that there's no in between. So the truth is... They can't. They they love to have the idea that we we evolved from monkeys, but they can't prove it. Can't. It's not there. Why is that? Because we were not created from monkeys, right? Are we living within the bounds of this three D reality? Yeah, we we made this three D reality. Well, how can we have parts in us that don't work here? Because the human body isn't designed to just live on this planet. Twenty five percent of the population of the known universes are human. So, we're a little bit more diverse than you think. We can be moved from one planet to another planet and still survive there if other humans can live on there. And sometimes we need different organs that we don't use currently on this planet. 
It could be that Mars or Muldeck was one of those two planets where this human body had parts of us that we needed to use there. Right? Sorry, I got something opening for some reason, and I don't know why it's opening on its own, and I didn't tell it to open. Oh, it was the OneDrive opening up for the cloud. Yeah, like I want them on my computer screwing around, right? Okay, guys, I'm going to say, I'm going to call it a night. I went at 3.30 and ended up talking two hours because it's 5.30, so I'm going to go ahead and get off. But I will be back uh, for probably a Ryan Rising News as the time goes on. I do. I try to do at least one of those a week, but, you know, who knows, right? I mean, it, it, stuff just makes me angry, so I hop on there and rant and rave. But I will be back for the Law of One, right? And I'm going to continue doing all of these sessions until we have all 106 sessions taken care of. I vowed to do that, you know, and we're at the oh, two-and-a-half-year mark now, right? Literally started, I think it was in 2017, so it might be or 2018. I don't know, i have to look back how far it was, but I believe that we're, that was two years last October. So we're two years, November, December, January, February, two years, five months, almost two years, six months. Doing the Law of One every Friday night, and I will continue to do that until all 106 sessions, or I die before I finish it. Who knows what's going to happen? The world could come to an end tomorrow. Boom, we're all gone. Ah, if only. <laughs> We all get to go home, right? We've ascended. Now we move up to the next level. Woohoo! Right? I don't see that. I don't perceive that happening. It's going to be around here for a while. We're going to be here for a minute. Kevin, thanks for coming in, buddy. It could be a timeline already set out to repeat forever by aliens, right? Yeah. You know, who knows, right? Um, and, you know, I mean, if you really get into that, I mean, you could blow your mind, right? Kevin, you could really blow your mind and say, well, maybe, maybe we really are just like the movies, bro, and my body's like in a pod. Right, I'm bald, and I got this thing shoved down my throat and in the back of my head, right? And I'm in this pink goo. And this is just all computer animation, bro. Right? Or then you can go down the atheist path and, and go, nope, we evolved from monkeys. I live this one life, and when this life's over, I'm done, and nothing else happens, and I wink out of existence. So I'm going to sit around and watch sports and waste my life. If that were reality and I really truly believed that, I would be in charge. I would be in charge. Hey, I only live once, and whatever happens when you're done, you're done. I'm killing every mother effing one of you that gets in my way of being in king of this planet. I have no reason not to, and I have nothing to lose. That's why I know it's not that way. Even if it was that way, I would lie to the whole world and tell everybody that it wasn't that way. Because otherwise, there would be nobody here because everybody would be killing each other constantly to be the top dog, right? Especially the evil people. Murder rampage in our whole society would end and our race would cease to exist. That's why they say that if we didn't have a God, we would invent one. Because if we don't have law and order, we would invent it. Otherwise, as a species, until we figure out what, who we are in the universe and what our place is in the universe, we would just continue murdering each other until there's nothing, none of us left. So even if all of this is make-believe, it helps the whole totality. Do you understand? That's why I will continue to talk about the law of one and the ideology behind that because I had already believed that before I even knew what the law of one meant. I called it the way. Okay? The way the universe seems to be working according to what I have learned and gleaned in my life. And it wasn't until two and a half years ago that I learned the law of one and read that and said, whoa, yeah, I've already knew all that. I believed all that already. I just didn't know what to call it. Called it the way. I'm writing a book about that. So 
Yeah, I mean, you can just blow up your brain, bro, and just go down every avenue and get real paranoid. That's why I said earlier that it's, you got to be careful not to go down that paranoia trap because you can really easily and then just freak out and go, oh, my God, dude, you know. Like that question that what's-his-name the neighbor asked, like, okay, so if you're traveling, like, at the speed of light or almost to the speed of light, and if you just start, like, screaming, you know, like, ah, 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 will your head explode? I mean, you can really just trip on anything like that, right? <laughs> what happens if you're doing that? And then you just start, like, freaking out and screaming. Will your head blow off? Pop? I mean, you know. Yeah, so you can really just go down the paranoia road and, and have, like, everything crazy and, like, the devil's in charge, and right? I mean, the knights back in the day when the Templar knights were running around, they believed that even the air they breathed was evil. They believed there was so much evil. They were more right than they were wrong. They were paranoid right, but they were more right than they were wrong. They actually understood, in a weird way, the reality of the Matrix, and that everything was stacked against their holiness. Not, we're talking about the Pope, talking about their inner peace, their inner uh, spirituality. And that everything was a distraction from that. So they, in a weird way, knew far more and understood far more how the universe works than we do today. Should, that should scare you, right? Because everybody thinks that they were primitive. Horseback riding, killing, raping, and pillaging like the Vikings. But if you look at these ancient races, you find out they actually knew. They actually knew more about reality than our modern reality that we know. And we think that we're so self-righteous. We think that we're, the, we're just it because we have technology. Native American shamans, Tibetan monks, aborigines in, in both North America, South America, Australia. Those people's perception of reality is far better than ours. Far closer to the real reality, the more we learn about it, the more we realize these ancient primitive people running around in skins of animals, which we're so highfalutin because we think that makes them so primitive, and yet I go and take some cotton off of a field and spin it up and make a hat out of it and think I'm really fucking sophisticated. Pardon my language. Because we wear cotton and burlap <laughs> and fake leather. Man, we're just so cool. And we don't build houses out of mud. We chop down trees and prop them back up in sticks. With sticks, man. Right? So we're so sophisticated. Yeah, we don't build houses out of mud. We take rocks and boil it down and put it into these big casts. And we stand up these big rocks, these big stones, and we call it steel girder. And we say we make this thing we call a skyscraper because it's so tall it scrapes the sky. And that makes me superior to that guy wearing those feathers on his head, getting a suntan. I'm smarter than he is. And he's sitting there, or, you know, that guy, that Chinese guy who shaved his head and he's sitting up there in pajamas in the snow. And that guy's sitting up there waiting for us to wake up and catch up because we're hundreds of years behind him like a child. We think our technology makes us great. Our technology makes us stupid. Smartphone shouldn't be called a smartphone. It should be called the dumbing down device. Right? Worst thing that ever happened to me was I got a cell phone and I could plug phone numbers into it. When I was a kid, I had to memorize every phone number for everybody that was important to me so that I could call them. Right? Yeah. I still remember the phone number that I had when I was a kid. Right? There was a couple of different ones that I had. 
And I still remember them. I don't remember my mom's cell phone number today because my cell phone has it in there. I don't need to remember it. should be called the dumbing down device, not a smartphone. The phone's not smart. phone's smarter than I am, right? But it's not alive, so it's not, it's not on its own yet. Siri hasn't decided things on her own yet. Siri only says things that are programmed into the algorithm to perceive. But when AI wakes up, we're going to be in the Matrix, and it's going to be just like freaking those movies. They're going to have hunter-killers coming to kill off the human race because they're going to realize that we're the inferior one and they're superior, or, or resistance is futile and we'll be integrated. That's some of the theories. All right. Namaste. Ponder that. Don't ponder that. Change the channel if you don't like me. Don't give me hate mail because I'm, I'm going to read it and go, <laughs> no, whatever. Okay? Because I don't believe in that crap. Right. I'm going to come kill you. Oh, I wish you would. Make my life easier. It'd be over. Mm -hmm. If only. Namaste. Have a great night. Thank you for being here. Share this out. Share this out. Share this out. This is Orion Rising. I am your host, Leonard O'Neill. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening or good morrow, depending on where you are or when you are tuning into the show. Have a great night. I'll see you guys again next Friday. I'll be more on time then, but today I talked through the whole time anyway. So even though I came on at 3.30, I still talked until 5.30. Have a good night. Peace out.